Some people say, well, teach physicians to meditate more and eat granola and wear Birkenstocks and you're going to fix this burnout problem. Well, that's that's not going to fix the problem if there are major causes ingrained in our healthcare system. So it's pervasive because of all the changes that have happened in our medical industry. It is a business after all, and that business is really leading to burnout. On this episode of the Creator Community, we'll meet Alan Voskanian a physician with an incredibly diverse set of interests anchored in helping others. We'll hear Alan's story that brought him to the brink of burnout and how he made a radical career shift and rediscovered his joy in medicine through an ad on Craigslist. We'll hear how Alan has enriched his perspective and and evolved his career in medicine further yet by doing stand-up comedy, crashing funerals, and using a mantra between each patient visit. We'll also learn Alan's clear views on the key challenges with healthcare today and the roadmap to help everyone experience better medical outcomes. And we'll learn how all of this led to his first book, Reclaiming the Joy of Medicine. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast from book publisher at New Degree Press or NDP. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,500 published authors on six continents and is the publishing arm of Manuscripts, Inc. This enterprise earned the 293rd spot on the Inc. 5000 list last year. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. This is episode three of season five of the New Degree Press Creator Community Podcast Series. Today, I have with me Alan Voskanian. Alan is a palliative care physician and the medical director at Cedar sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California. He is a graduate of UC Berkeley and UC Irvine Medical School. He completed his residency residency at UCLA, followed by a fellowship in HIV at AIDS Healthcare Foundation. When he's not busy caring for his patients or physicians, he enjoys performing stand-up comedy at local clubs and training for a marathon. He lives in LA with his husband and three sons. He misses his mother very much. Alan, great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. It's, it's my honor to be part of this podcast. The, the honor is all mine. Pleasure to have you. You know, before we dive into your book and learn about that, I'd love to learn about this passion you've had for medicine and where that all came from in your life. Yeah. You know, I've always loved helping people. And I was also always very passionate about science and biology and anatomy. So being a physician was a perfect career choice for me because it allowed me to combine my love for helping people with my passion for science. And I've also been really thinking about why did I love helping people. And some of it comes from what I experienced when I was a young kid and my mom was experiencing and battling breast cancer. And the physician who took care of her really made a huge difference, not only in saving my mom's life, but also in the way that me and my family coped with diagnosis of cancer. So I really wanted to be exactly like him and help other people who were going through serious illness. Wow. So you had a firsthand experience of the impact a physician and how they engage with the patient can really have an impact, not only on the patient, but on the family and the whole journey. Wow. That's an incredible story. I'm very sorry to hear about your mother. Yeah. 
when you think about there, there's your passion for medicine, how did this whole stand-up comedy thing into your life? That's fascinating to me. Yeah, I think it's one of the things people always ask me. And, you know, stand-up stand -up comedy is actually a very logic process. Like, you really have to think critically about the structure of a joke. So that's one thing I like. But also, uh, you know, I my background is in hospice and palliative care, which is often a very serious profession. And I wanted to find a way to be less serious and have more fun. Um, I also give a lot of talks and presentations at medical conferences. So I thought it would be really nice to learn more about stand-up comedy and bring some of those elements to my talks. Also, I just love laughing. And I think it's such a great scape when your profession, when your job is very serious, doing stand-up comedy takes you out of that um, kind of stressful environment and gives you an opportunity to just have fun and laugh and be silly. And I think at the end, that's what life is all about. So That's incredible. So in the midst of this very serious career you have and helping people and dealing with oftentimes end-of-life circumstances, right? Here you are doing stand-up as well as kind of an escape. Any lessons you've learned from stand-up comedy that you've brought over to your career? your medical career? I think I found, and you know, I, I don't want to claim I'm like a world-class stand-up comic, but I've been in rooms with a lot of amazing comics and comedy sometimes is a way to cope with serious issues in life. So not only depression, but a lot of uh, other serious conditions, even when it comes to death and dying, I have seen people use comedy as a tool to cope with some of the stressful events in our lives. So that's that's kind of a big lesson and surprising lesson to me. I didn't expect that. Wow, that you can use comedy to help cope with these very serious circumstances. And this, your career, this really interesting, I'll call it hobby you have in the comedy industry brought you to writing, reclaiming the joy of medicine, finding purpose, fulfillment, and happiness in today's medical industry, which is due out this fall, September, 2022. Alan, how did that book enter your radar screen? You know, I love books, especially books that combine stories with facts and data. And I love books that transform um, my way of thinking about things. So I really wanted to write a book about my experience about burnout, finding the joy in practice of medicine and bring in some evidence, but also share stories. I also wanted to learn and get better in writing. I am an avid goal setter. I set a lot of goals and then I really enjoy achieving them. So writing a book had been on my goal or to-do list every year for the last four years. So I'm really happy to be able to check that off my list this year. Except, Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. But except I don't think I'm going to be able to check that off because this I love this process of writing a book so much that I'm already thinking about my second book, which actually will be about end of life and people who die. I've attended a lot of funerals. And I think there's a lot of lesson learned from eulogies and how people talk about someone after they die. So that has become now a new hobby. So I attend funeral services for people I don't know. And so I'm going to be writing a book about that. But that's a whole different podcast. So, so what was what, 
What was the new hobby you've picked up here? Let me make sure I have this. What was the new hobby? I go I go to funeral services for people I don't know. And I listen to the eulogies. So to take kind of use them as stories and as a research and background for the book I'm writing. But in terms of this book about physician wellness and burnout, I feel like just it's really uh, the impact of burnout is so devastating in our healthcare system. And I can, really can we stay with this this eulogy concept here for a minute? This is fascinating to me. I'm thinking I'm I'm picturing the movie Wedding Crashers in my head here a little bit, Alan. Except in a very different, in a slightly different <laughs> end of the spectrum. That is fascinating. So you you go to funerals for people you don't know just to listen to the eulogies and get a sense of what people are talking about in end of life. Yep, yep. I'm a funeral crasher. Wow, wedding crasher, funeral crasher. I mean, you live in L.A. Maybe there's a maybe there's a movie in here somewhere. That is amazing. And what what have you learned or how have you sort of rethought things since you've heard all these eulogies? That's fascinating to me. You know, I feel like it's a shortcut to living a more meaningful, virtuous life. Like when someone someone's life has ended and you hear about the stories people talk about, it's often not that they made this much money or that they were the most successful in their career. Sometimes people talk about that, but it's often the little things. You know, I'd like one funeral service I attended recently. The whole focus was about this woman's love and passion for growing vegetables in her small garden and sharing them with family members. And and then they talked about how that was important to her. She came from India and they had a big farm and that was a source of bringing family members together. And she was able to replicate that in a very small garden in Los Angeles. So I don't know, just things like that are very fascinating to me. And I love learning about that and bring kind of highlights the importance of family, community, growing things in your in your garden and sharing them with your neighbors. Like how many times do we say hi to our neighbors in this hustle and bustle of athletes in Los Angeles? So um, anyway, that was a little story there. I really find that one fascinating, right? So it's not about these big things we accomplish in life, our careers, but the little things we do to really, what I'm hearing is connect with others and find way to build community and and find deeper connections with our culture, family, passions. That's that's awesome. I really love that. Has it, has it inspired you to write your own eulogy yet or take a crack at it yet? Yes, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, I I do. So I kind of follow stoic philosophy and one of the one of the books I was reading, I believe it was from Marcus Aurelius was about how do you really kind of think about your end of life and I think Seneca also talks about this and how how would you like people to remember you after you die. So that's something that I've been really thinking about and one of the reasons why I decided to write this book. Wow. Physician, comedian, funeral crasher, marathon runner. You are a complex beast, my friend. What a fascinating story you have behind you here. So you wanted to write a book. You've been fascinated by how books can help change people's thinking. You went ahead and did it yourself. You're already thinking about number two. You know, Being as busy as you are, how did you physically fit this into your life? Just where did you find the hours? Oh my God. I don't. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you can see you're in East Coast and I'm in Los Angeles. So this is like my sweet spot. I wake up at 4 30 a.m. because from like, I feel like that's my bonus hours from 5 to 8 a.m. So I try to 
do a lot of writing in that time. I also have this whole routine, which I talk about in the book about like really five core principles that I highlight in my book about how to take care of our body, which involves, you know, exercising, eating healthy, making sure we get enough sleep. And also the way I wake up at 4.30 is that I go to bed at 8.30. That's my ideal time. It doesn't happen all the time having three kids, but ideally I like to go to bed at 8.30 so I can get enough sleep. But usually it, most of this book was written early between hours of 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. where my regular work starts. That's awesome. Sounds like a schedule I heard is very similar to Tim Cook's from a little technology company out there, I, I've heard. That's awesome. And what's nice about that story is, and what I think what's great about this journey is, you, you know, there is no one size fits all, right? And what this process, this program, this coaching program does, it helps you find what works for you and then fit it into your life. So that's great. I wrote my book late at night. Some people like to write in the morning. Some people write at lunch or on the weekends. It really, it's up to you, which is fantastic. What do you think you learned about yourself along the way with this book journey, right? It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of writing. Anything new you learned about yourself along the way? So I've learned a lot about myself in this book writing journey. First, that writing a book is much easier and much better if you either have a mentor or have a community to work through it. And I learned about how there is like different types of authors. Some are very organized. They sit down every day and write like an hour. And then there's people who are get inspired, like all of a sudden, like one day they're like, oh my God, there's all these thoughts. They sit down and write a lot. And I realize I'm neither. I'm not <laughs> very good in doing it routinely. The inspiration doesn't come. So I am what is known as a deadline writer. If I have deadlines, like a week before, two weeks before I sit down and I work really hard. So I think the program, the NDP program with my publishing company, I think having deadlines was very helpful to me because it forced me to really crank out and work really hard towards each of those deadlines. And then something else I learned was that there's a lot of kind of negative chatter in my head and it's not unique to me. I think a lot of authors experience that, but it could really be a really powerful force that could stop you in writing a book, especially if there's a little bit of this tendency for perfectionism, which I think a lot of us have, then you're like, oh my God, I want the most perfect book. And I've learned that there's no perfect book. And I think Ariana Huffington said, done is better than perfect. And so those are a couple of nuggets about this writing journey. I love that. So figuring out you're more of a deadline writer, that's fantastic. And that, right, you have to sort of let go of perfectionism from time to time. Probably a good lesson for any aspect of our life, for many aspects of our life. But I'll tell you, my book's been out since December 2020. And to this day, I pick it up and just look at research something. And I think, why didn't I change that sentence? Or why did they make that sentence so long? I still have these thoughts. They're not as frequent as they used to be, but I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So Reclaiming the Joy of Medicine, Helen, what is this book about? We talked a little bit about the why, but what, what's it about? You know, the book is really ultimately about how to be happy and reclaim the joy as a physician or any other clinician, anyone involved in our healthcare system. When the healthcare system really is set up to take that joy away and how could we reclaim that? 
How could we be happy practicing medicine in today's medical industry? You know, unfortunately, burnout rates are really high. Medscape did a study and found that almost one out of every two physician experiences at least one sign of burnout. And when we talk about burnout, we're talking about emotional exhaustion. We're talking about depersonalization when, for example, a patient becomes just a disease instead of a fully kind of a uh, full human being. We think of them as, oh, pan this pancreatic cancer person instead of a human being with a story, with a life, with a family. And also the third kind of telltale sign of burnout is this sense of lack of accomplishment. So that is so prevalent in our healthcare system. And the reason why I wrote this book is that I experienced burnout about three years after my training. And this was in 2006 when burnout was not really a buzzword. And I didn't even know what it was. I just knew that I'd worked so hard and trained for so many years. And finally, I was a physician and practicing. And I was like, oh my God, this sucks. I'm not happy. And at that time, also, you felt alone because no one was talking about burnout. So I thought, oh, my God, I'm the only person like what's going on here. And so I decided to write about my journey and also the journey of other physicians who have experienced burnout. Some of them have found a way out and some of them are trying to find a way out. Burnout is very complex. It's really the root cause of it is in our healthcare system. So my goal in writing this book is to make sure physicians and other healthcare clinicians do not feel blamed if they're experiencing burnout. There's a lot of major problems in our healthcare system that need to be fixed to avoid and prevent burnout. So I wanted to talk about that, but also while we are waiting for the healthcare system to improve and get kind of address some of these root causes of burnout as uh, individuals with authority and autonomy and agency, there are things we can do to reclaim our joy. So that's what this book is all about. That's awesome. And I think, right, most physicians spend 10 plus years getting training along the way. And I, I love the fact that you're revealing this concept that, right, if the, if the physician is burned out, they start to look at each patient as you know, oh, I got to go check in with this person and move on to the next one, right? And it just becomes this grind rather than connecting with that person, their message, their story. And so this has a right much broader impact on society than, of course, obviously the physicians, we want to make sure they're in good shape, but if they're not, right, it's going to have big spillover effects in how people get medical care. It makes me think of Dan Goldman's book, Emotional Intelligence. He did that research saying when patients are cared for with emotional intelligence, they actually recover at a faster and better rate. And so, right, there's a big impact for all of us in this story. So, Alan, why do you think burnout is so pervasive in the medical profession? John, that's a really good question. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier. There's this debate that is burnout pervasive because our clinicians are not resilient enough? Or is it because our healthcare system has problems? And and then with that kind of that debate, the solutions are also debated. Some people say, well, teach physicians to meditate more and eat granola and wear Birkenstocks and you're going to fix this burnout problem. Well, that's 
that's not going to fix the problem if there are major causes ingrained in our healthcare system. So it's pervasive because of all the changes that have happened in our medical industry. It is a business after all, and that business is really leading to burnout. So to me, the solutions start with addressing some of the inherent problems in our healthcare system. But as we're waiting to fix the system, there's a lot we can do as clinicians, as doctors in our current healthcare system to reclaim the joy of medicine. Uh, wow. So the, the system is uh, needing of some fix. And it sounds like the blame is getting put on the wrong in the wrong place, right? Birkenstocks and some yoga aren't probably going to fix this problem, are they? There's much bigger, much bigger uh, systematic issues. And I think we'll get to that here in a minute or two. But you know, what about you? you I, I also I I did own a pair of Birkenstocks when I was going to college at Berkeley. I do eat granola once in a while and I do meditate. So I don't want to put those things down, but they're not by themselves. They're not going to fix. The they're not problem. problem solvers. Also had a, a couple of pair of Birkenstocks in my life, but just <laughs> truth in full transparency. So what as, as long as you didn't wear them with like white socks all the way up your knees. So. <laughs> what about black socks? Is that okay then? Yeah, black, I think uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you've talked about burnout, the system being challenged, right? Is there a burnout story for you? Where, where is that in your journey? Yeah, as you said, like I spent so many years, almost 12 years in training, right? Undergraduate years, medical school, residency. And then I did a fellowship in the field of HIV. When I finished my medical school, I really wanted to help the gay community that was impacted negatively due to the AIDS epidemic. And that was right at the beginning of this new antiretroviral, the HIV medications that were coming out. But there were still a lot of patients who were dying from AIDS. So I really wanted to be involved in helping the community. So I did a fellowship in HIV and AIDS. Some of it was research-oriented and some of it was clinical. And I really loved being a physician and serving the community. But about three years into practice, I realized that I was burnt out. I didn't know why at that time. But I felt like I wasn't doing a good job taking care of my patients. I Some of it was pressures in terms of how productive I needed to be. So I was. I, it felt to me that I only had 10 minutes to spend with each of my patients. And my patients were very complex. They had not only medical issues due to AIDS, but they had housing challenges. Some were homeless. Some had substance abuse. Almost majority of them were kind of their family had disowned them. So they were just have a lot of struggles. And when you see someone for only 10 minutes, you cannot provide the best medical care. And I felt I was rushed. It became, I felt like I was on a factory line constantly one patient after another without the ability to provide them with care that they needed. And, and I think that was the main source of burnout for me. And so one day at the end of a very busy clinic on a Monday and that whole weekend, I was like, oh my God, Monday is just, the, Monday was the busiest day for me. So I had full day of clinic. At the end, I sat down, I was like, this is not what I practice. Like I trained for over, you know, 12 years. Here I am unhappy. I'm not 
being my best self for my patients. My patients deserve better. I need to figure out a solution. And I started searching online on Craigslist for a, a physician job, any physician job in LA. And being LA, there were, I, I found three things. First, I wasn't even sure where to start. I was like, I'm going to check Craigslist. I'm going to find something different. But as I was looking, I saw three physician jobs posted. One was for being a physician on a TV show as a cast physician to do like physicals for the, the cast members. The second one was in an STD clinic. And then the third one was in a weight loss clinic. And that weight loss clinic was closer to my house. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll pick that. So I was really desperate. I like, I needed to find something to financially survive, but I could not do what I was doing. And that was a very difficult decision for me. I felt like I was a failure. I had done all this training. And now here I was going to go work at a clinic that I just had no idea what it was all about. And very quickly, I realized that weight loss clinic was focused on eating five cookies a day. It was called a cookie diet, something like that. So I was like, oh my God, what is this? But I was doing like reading EKGs and doing physical exams. But that little hiatus, that little break gave me time to really focus on what I wanted to do with my career. It gave me time to focus on my own autonomy, my own agency, and to regain control over my career and my life. And kind of that was my burnout journey. Wow. I, I It's almost giving me anxiety thinking about having to see these people in these, I mean, just likely the very worst circumstance in their lives, and, you know, homeless, having HIV, you know, help families abandon them. Like they're probably at the lowest point in their life. And you have 10 minutes to go in and help them figure out their healthcare situation. And probably these stories come up and you just can't even address them because you simply don't have the time. That feels like I, I, can, I can feel the pressure of those moments and having to go from room to room to room. No doubt burnout became an issue for you. So all of this led you to really wanting to find this new happiness, this new moment in your career, and ultimately this book. And so you've done all this research, you've done all this writing, you know, what have you learned about what we can do about burnout, Alan? What's the, what are some of the best practices you found from all your research and work on the book? Yeah, I think the first thing is really addressing the problems that are leading to burnout in our healthcare system. So that is the reason why I got involved in leadership, became a medical director. Also, I decided to get an MBA so I could learn more about the business side of medicine and understand better what were some of the key economic drivers in our current healthcare system that are potentially leading to burnout so what i've learned is that we need to address the issues that are wrong in our healthcare system so in my book i talk about some of the challenges in our healthcare system that need to be addressed and fortunately more and more emphasis is being placed on addressing systematic problems in our healthcare institutions. So that's a good thing, good change that's happening. But I've also realized that that change will not happen overnight. It's going to take years for our system to be more to be a better place for clinicians to work at. So while we're waiting for that, there's certain things we can do individually that really could bring a sense of joy and happiness to our career. 
And there's a lot of different things. So, and in my mind, the way it works, I like to simplify and put things in categories. So, you know, when you look at all these different solutions, I simplify them to three main areas, focusing on our mind, our mindset, focusing on our body and focusing on our spirit. And in the book, I talk about how there are solutions in each of those categories. So for example, focusing on our spirit, it's it's in that chapter, I talk about what is the main reason we went to medical school or healthcare to really focus on that and find the main reason or the way Simon Sinek puts it, the why for pursuing healthcare and really trying to find a career path that is aligned with our purpose. For me, that those few months of break from my job where I was burned out gave me an opportunity to really focus on my passion for helping patients at the end of life. And also it gave me a break to really know that I was never going to allow or work in a situation where my autonomy, where my agency was going to be taken away from me. So that's what I talk about in terms of focusing on your spirit. In in the mind section, I talk about the mindsets that are very common to physicians and other clinicians that puts us at higher risk for burnout. For example, I talk about this term called being a gunner. Have you heard of that? As in a military gunner or something else? It's a different, so it's a term that is very common in medical school. And some of my lawyer friends have told me that it's also a term that that is sometimes used in law schools. Being a gunner is basically being hyper-competitive. When you get an A, you're not happy with it because you want to get an A+. You're very kind of cutthroat, always asking for more like extra credits, always trying to get the highest grade. And so that's a very common mentality amongst a lot of physicians. And the reason why we get like that is because we have to be like that to get into medical school. Medical school is very competitive. And, you know, all through our career, we are trained to compete, to be able to get to the best undergrad school and then get to medical school. And when you're in medical school, you need to compete to get to the best residency program. And then after residency, you need to compete to land the best job. And in that chapter about mindset, I talk about how sometimes that type of mindset could predispose us to burnout and how can we go about addressing that. And then in the section about body or action, I talk about some of the things we need to do to take care of ourselves. And some of this is very kind of seems and sounds simple, but it's not. When your career, when your job is forcing you to ignore some of these basic necessities. For example, if you're an emergency medicine physician and you have shifts that alternate between days and nights, or if you're on call and you're trying to focus on getting enough sleep, it's really hard to be able to get enough sleep. So I talk about data and research about how lack of sleep predisposes you to burnout. And that's just one example. So in the in that chapter about body and actions, I talk about five main areas to focus on to, to have wellness in our life and to prevent burnout, which include nutrition, uh, sleeping, 
It includes mindfulness and it also includes gratitude. So to really practice being grateful for things that we have in our life. I really appreciate that one, you've identified that this is an issue for yourself and so many others. You took proactive action. You went out, changed your careers to find, give yourself some time to find a, a better way for yourself. And now you found what I would call a very comprehensive solution, a very balanced solution, which is not just solving one of these problems, like telling you about to wear Birkenstocks and, and do meditation, but really taking this comprehensive approach, mind, body, and spirit. What a fantastic story and roadmap for, I think, not just physicians, but I think many people can learn from. Oh, Alan, what do you hope to accomplish with reclaim, your book, Reclaiming the Joy of Medicine? You know, I ultimately, I really want to be able to help even one person who is experiencing burnout, not experience it, and to reclaim their joy in practice of medicine. I feel so grateful to be a physician. I think it's such an honor and privilege to be in that type of a relationship with a patient. And I want to make sure that our clinicians, our physicians have a fulfilling career. And ultimately, like we talked about earlier, John, that has an impact on everybody, on our community, on our country, because patients are Im impacted negatively when people in healthcare are burnt out. So why I wrote this book to help uh, people who are experiencing burnout find a way out to know that they're not alone. And also by doing that, make sure that everybody in our, every patient receives the best care possible. I mean, I can only imagine when, if you have a bunch of physicians running around burnt out, it's also going to have an impact on healthcare premiums at some point, right? If it isn't already. So I mean, far reaching impact of, of this, this problem you're, you're working to solve for here and so beautifully with your book. So given this change, given this new journey you've put yourself on and now all this work you've done around the book and, and learning, you know, what do you find most fulfilling in your career and business now that you've had some time to see it from a few different sides? As a, you know, physician, I feel so happy when I have my clinic day, you know, I look forward to it. I enjoy it. I, I share some of the, the ways I kind of stay mindful throughout my day, my day when I'm seeing patients. I have this developed this habit of every time I put my hand on the door handle before I have to go inside my patient's room, I just pause. It's very quick. Just take a deep breath and just let go of everything that's on my mind before entering in. And I just quickly tell myself, I'm like, just be the best doctor for this patient who's behind this door. And then I just walk in and that's become a habit. Now that's like micro moment of mindfulness. So that works for me. And as soon as my door touches the door handle, I let go of everything that's on my mind. And I try to be the best doctor I can be for that patient. So that's been great. And then I'm also a physician leader. So in the time that I'm working administratively, my goal is to make improvements in our healthcare system that would ultimately help prevent burnout. I love that simple yet powerful act of, of just having that moment of mindfulness and awareness before you enter the room. I, I try to do something similar when I enter semi to highly chaotic scenes with my children. I try to do something similar. Don't always make it work, but oftentimes it does. And it's immensely helpful just to have that little switch in your head to come in and approach it more objectively, I guess you oh, might say, or with a better, a better mindset. So when you think about uh, this, this book here, Alan, Reclaiming the Joy of Medicine, you know, what's the key message you want to leave with our readers, with your readers? 
the key message is that we can reclaim the joy in our career, in healthcare, and other people have done it. We can do that also. And the system is set up to force us to get burned out. And we need to fix the system first. But while we're waiting to fix our healthcare system, there are things we can do to reclaim the joy and be happy with practicing medicine. And, and I guess the big, big key takeaway is that physicians deserve joy in their practice. And we need to do everything possible to help regain help people regain that joy. I guess one big thing that I talk about, and it comes from stoicism, is that I, I wrote this in my book, which is, you know, we don't find happy happiness down the road. We find it on the road right where we are. So we need to figure out a way to find happiness where we are in our practice. Something tells me all these eulogies you've heard helped confirm that thought for you. Interesting. Well, I love the way you're thinking about this. I love this practical application you've you've brought to this, you know, book deeply embedded in research as well and understanding the structural flaws and, and how, how to go about fixing them, working to fix them on both sides. Is, what a great mission that you're on here. So what's been an unexpected positive for, for you in this journey thus far, Alan, in the author journey? Just gave me made me realize that that setting a goal and achieving it is possible when you have the right community and get the right support behind you there are people that are kind of cheering for you and want you to be successful you just need to find the right people the right community and just be consistent that's awesome yeah books are never written alone you know, one thing I never did before I wrote a book was read acknowledgments. And now I often read acknowledgments of books and you start to see people thanking 10, 20, 30, 50, hundreds of people sometimes. And why? Because it took that many people to help inspire them and help them and guide them and talk them off the ledge, which I had a few helpers on in my book journey. Most audacious goal for 2022, my friend. You know, the book is just a beginning for me. And also it's a learning journey. You know, I, I don't claim to know everything about burnout. You know, I'm also a kind of traveler on this path to finding the joy in healthcare. So my audacious goal for next year is to be involved in engaging with large communities, giving presentations to various healthcare groups, various association meetings, and engaging in an open dialogue and discussion about this. How do we find wellness in healthcare? How do we address some of these root causes of burnout? And how do we find the joy in practicing medicine? So my audacious goal would be to be involved with people who need to hear this message and together figure out a solution. Amazing. I love what you're thinking about and thinking bigger and better and you know, trying to help other people at the end of the day in such a meaningful way. If people want to learn more about you and your book, where might they go? So if people want to know more about my authorship journey, I, I kind of share behind the scenes stories of how I started writing this book and share tips on share tips about writing a book with people who are interested on my LinkedIn group. It's called Reclaiming the Joy of Medicine. So the best way for people to reach out to me would be on LinkedIn or join my author community on LinkedIn or to go to my website, which is reclaimingthejoyofmedicine.com. Awesome. 
unbelievable story. What a fantastic and broad perspective you have on the world, given all these different unique uh, hobbies you have outside of your profession, marathons, comedy, funeral crashing. I mean, you've You've done it all here, my friend. What a perspective you have on this industry, the, the world. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your story with the creator community, Alan, and, and being on the on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much, John, for giving me this opportunity. I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you again. The pleasure is all mine. Reclaiming the Joy of Medicine will be available wherever you buy books online this fall, 2022. Don't forget to subscribe to the creator community channel on your favorite podcast platform, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and others. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. I'm your host, John Saunders. Keep creating.